I think a real benefit and blessing of these campaigns is that you really can raise more money when you are harnessing the power, the enthusiasm and the networking, the financial ability, all of it of two different groups. Welcome to the Your K-12 Fundraising Coach Podcast, your weekly mini masterclass designed to give you the tools to crush your goals with less stress. I'm your host, Kim Jennings, a veteran faith-based school frontline fundraiser and certified fundraising executive, a consultant, trainer, coach, and passionate ally for leaders and future leaders serving in Christian schools across the U.S. After nearly two decades in the industry, I'm here to share with you what I've learned and continue to learn from my failures and successes and to bring you insightful conversations with great leaders. If you're a Christian school leader looking for tested strategies to banish the tyranny of the urgent and raise more money within a stronger, thriving team, and you're looking to grow your school's culture of generosity, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Your K-12 Fundraising Coach Podcast. Today's episode was so much fun to create. The company that I work with, Generis, is a fundraising consulting firm. We specialize in faith-based organizations, and we have full-time consultants, but we're all over the U.S. And so three times a year, all of the Generis consultants and our home office team, which is based just outside of Atlanta, we all come together for a company summit where we do training and time of refreshment professional development. We have speakers on trends and various methods. And the whole idea is that iron sharpens iron. And so we do this three times a year. Recently, we had our fall summit, and I was so pleased to get to carve out some time with one of my colleagues, Jennifer Perot, to sit down and talk about a special niche within our firm, which is serving churches that have schools. So schools that are embedded within a church as a ministry. I wanted to talk with Jennifer about the unique opportunities that come with raising money for ministry when that ministry is a church and school combo. This is an area that Jennifer works in a lot in particular, and so I knew that she would be a fantastic resource for you. If you serve as a leader or a fundraiser in a church that has a school or in a school that's a part of a church— or a school that is extremely closely tied to a church, I know that you will find this episode and this conversation with Jennifer extremely valuable. And if you aren't in any of those spaces, I know you'll still find the conversation so insightful, and I know that you'll be blessed by it as well. But before we dive in, I want to introduce you to my friend Jennifer. She is a skilled fundraising and communications professional who spent more than 20 years as a leader in Christian higher education at Seattle Pacific University, where she served as an admissions officer, a communications specialist, a special assistant for communication to the college president. And then finally, she was a major gifts officer with Seattle Pacific University. Jennifer also served as the director of stewardship ministries at Seattle's University Presbyterian Church. And for many years, she was on the board at Seattle's Street Youth Ministries. Jennifer holds a master's degree in education and has earned her Certified Fundraising Executive Credential, her CFRE. Jennifer is based in Seattle, Washington, and she has been serving with Generis since 2016. 
Jennifer works with both the church team and the schools and nonprofit team at Generis, and she has been truly a wonderful mentor to me since I became a consultant in 2020. I'm very pleased to get to partner with Jennifer on different projects, and I am extremely blessed to call her my friend. So here it is, my conversation with Jennifer Perot, Senior Generosity Strategist at Generis. I am so excited to have you here, Jennifer. Um, Jennifer Perot, my colleague and friend at Generis. I wanted to steal some time away with you, Jennifer, at our Generis Summit, our, the three times a year that our company comes together from all over the country. And here we are today to talk a little bit about schools that are within the context of a church and what kind of unique challenges and unique opportunities we see in schools that are a part of a church, you, Jennifer, serve in these kinds of institutions a lot, and we've talked to them a lot. And so I appreciate your time today to share your experiences from across the country in, in these kinds of really special institutions. Thank you, Kim. It's so fun to be with you here in actual real time <laughs> in person at the Genera Summit. Most of the time when I see you, it's through a Zoom screen. So this is really fun to be in the same room. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I want to set a little bit of context. Mm -hmm. When we work with schools across the country, some are separate independent schools and some are embedded in churches. So we have some context when we talk a little bit later about Mm -hmm. the things that you're seeing in the schools. Set up for us logistics of what you see in, in these kinds of situations. We see all kinds of things. It strikes me that a lot of the Christian schools today that we see today were launched by churches, some of them 50 years ago, sometimes longer, when a church had the full financial ability to not only run its own operations, but also launch a school and be able to give a lot of support to it. As time has gone on, we see in some cases that these schools are becoming their own 501c3 organizations while still really partnered with the church, often even on the same campus, sharing some spaces. Sometimes they've split off entirely, become their own 501c3, and move to their own location. Sometimes, with some schools, they're still actually a part of a ministry of and even part of the same 501c3 as the church, but they really have different constituent groups. So it runs the gamut. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'd love to dive in a little bit. First, let's talk about the aspects of everyday fundraising, everyday generosity for the school community. So are you talking about kind of how those schools are doing their annual fund or operational funding? Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. Here is what I'm seeing with a lot of these schools. Again, sometimes they started out getting a lot of operational funding from a church and over time now, and maybe even particularly in a post-COVID environment, churches are working really hard to get funding for their own ministry needs And the amount that they can give to the school for operational seems to be decreasing. So I'm increasingly telling Christian schools, you need to have your own robust development program. And the very first piece of that is an annual fund. So if you don't have an annual fund, that's where we want to start. And we can come in. I love to come in with schools and help them. They say, well, we don't have an annual fund. Well, you can have one. We can help you create one. And we do that by trying to determine what are the key things that the Christian school needs to raise money for. And we set a goal. We set a reasonable goal. Um, We talk about what that 
uh, money is going to be used for. And then we begin trying to educate parents, grandparents, and the broader community around what that annual fund can do. And for most schools, it's going to allow them to think much bigger and be able to fund their vision in a more effective way when they're not just reliant on one wrapping paper fundraiser or even one gala, but a year long, all the time, evergreen process of having an annual fund. Yes, I I agree. And I I think the annual fund is an important vehicle for talking about generosity yes. in the school families. Yes. And and I find I well, I should say I have found in the schools that I've talked to, often tuition is an interesting piece of the puzzle yep. that potentially the church side leadership, they see it as a revenue stream. Right. And school families, they see that they're giving already to the school, quote unquote. Yes. I'm giving air quotes here. Yep. Because they're paying tuition. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you've seen and how you have talked with your clients about overcoming that particular hurdle, about the fact they're already paying tuition? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what I like to talk to schools about is helping beginning to educate their families, and that's current families, past families, grandparents, but you can start with who's currently there that the money that you're paying in tuition allows us to get to a certain level of excellence, but our annual fund provides the margin of excellence. It's an extra layer that allows us to have amazing extracurricular programs, and it allows us to invest in technology. It allows us to hire and retain the best teachers. It allows us to provide tuition assistance. Whatever those three or four or five key things are, that's the margin of excellence that an annual fund provides. I love the way that you phrase that. I'm curious to know, because you are, quite honestly, a very collaborative uh, consultant. You work really well with teams, gaining consensus. I'm just telling our listeners, Jennifer works both with churches and with schools. Mm -hmm. So she can do both sides. So as you go into these kind of situations, how have you worked with the leadership of the school and of the church Mm -hmm. to gain that collaborative aspect where tuition does some things and fundraising is needed? Talk a little bit about that if you don't mind. Yeah. I think sometimes churches and schools, even whether they're connected under the same 501c3 or whether they're separate, but they still share a history or a parcel of land or something there can be a a kind of an us versus them mentality, right? Some scarcity. So, well, if the school starts trying to raise money above and beyond tuition, that's going to hurt the church. Or if the church does a capital campaign, that's going to keep people from being able to afford to make a gift to the annual fund. So what I always want to do is help people see that together, let's figure out what we have in common, church and school. What are our common goals And then let's do messaging around that. Uh, So we're not competing for resources. We're being really respectful, right? So I'm working with a large church and a large Christian school right now where the church has respectfully asked the school not to hold any fundraising events during the church's capital campaign. And the school is really happy to comply with that because they know that when they are emphasizing their annual fund activities later in the spring, the church is going to help promote that with their folks. So there's a a give and a take and a respect and a sense that really everybody's going to be better off together. 
if we have strong messaging and we just time things, part of it is communication, right? Between leaders and then also communicating what your messages are to school families and to church congregants and then to people who fall into both. I love that. So true. Um, The communication, Jennifer and I, for our listeners, both are really passionate about communication in particular. So um, let's drill down for just a bit on that, Mm -hmm. on the communication. The two audiences, quite different. There's some overlap, but generally speaking, you know, we're not necessarily seeing a lot of percentage of the school families being a member of the church, the host church. So talk to us a little bit about what you tell your clients regarding communication Mm -hmm. with these audiences. So I'll give you another example, different school, different church in a a different city uh, that the purpose of the capital campaign originally, the reason that they hired Generis was for us to come in and help them raise $6 million for a new building. Okay. So we had to drill down into the why, why are you building this? Well, it's primarily going to be used for the school, but it's also going to be used somewhat by the church for adult Sunday school classes and evening events Uh, when school's not in session, right? So we determined this building is going to meet needs for both groups. So we decided we were going to run one campaign, one campaign team, one, one theme, one logo, but two different sets of messaging, to your point. So for the church folks, we used church services, weekend worship services to be able to talk about the project. And we talked about how the school is a ministry of the church. And we talked about the benefits of investing in the next generation. And then we really invited uh, the church to not only give to a building that was going to serve some of their needs functionally, but also to invest in the next generation. For the school families, again, it's the same campaign, same name, different brochure, different events, different messaging to school families. For school families, we're talking about what is going to happen for your child in this space. Look at the art room, look at the technology, see what's going to happen. So same goal, two different audiences, same campaign, two different messages. And when we brought the two together, worked really hard on both sides and they exceeded their campaign goal. Awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by my digital course, Onboarding New Parents with Purpose, a proven plan for increasing generosity, which I designed especially for you with a suite of tools, templates, and resources that will help you be successful regardless of what month you start your journey with me. I crafted this course when leader after leader asked me, how do we move from transactional giving to heart-led, generous giving from every giver, regardless of the amount of their gift? How do we really cultivate a culture of generosity? This course will help you raise more money in your school using real-world methods designed to work in every school environment, every size school, because they're based on human behavior and community not fancy expensive events or tons of staff power. My course is full of practical strategies, effective actions you can take every month, every year to grow generosity and your new parents cohort after cohort, changing the culture of your entire parent community. Learn more and sign up for my digital course, Onboarding New Parents with Purpose, 
a proven plan for increasing generosity at kimtjennings.com slash culture of generosity. Tell me a little bit about timing for that. Mm-hmm. How do you roll that out yep. um, simultaneously? One precedes the other. Tell me a little bit about how you handled that. You know, we did it all. We created a campaign team that had some folks, both from the church and from the school. And so we were able to, again, we all picked the campaign theme. We all understood what we were doing. There was a real benefit in doing everything once, not twice. It's one set of commitment cards. It's one brochure, but version A and version B, right? That really, in many ways, simplifies it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we did it at the same time, but we were running church events and kind of a church communication plan on this side and meeting with church families. And we were doing school family events and meeting with school families over here on this side, but they all came together at the end. Uh, We had a commitment experience on the church side and a commitment deadline for commitments on the school side, but it all happened in tandem so that we knew at the end of that period where we were related to our goal. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that it is strongly beneficial that you have this collaborative aspect and that there's one committee, Mm -hmm. one set of the leaders are coming together to work on what the overarching goal will be and how it will best benefit the entire community. Exactly. And not necessarily that us versus them aspect, which is challenging, right? Yeah. 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 Let's talk a little bit more about the annual fund piece. Mm -hmm. When we work with schools, Jennifer and I are talked about this a lot about the importance of campaign readiness. And one key aspect of that campaign readiness is the annual fund or Mm -hmm. your annual giving in particular. Mm -hmm. What is that? um, What does that look like in a school? Why is it helpful to have an annual fund in place as a part of campaign readiness? Yes. Like I said, to me, it's kind of the first building block of a good development program. It's kind of a it's a baby step. I have another school I was working with, Christian School in Seattle, and their develop, uh, not development director, they didn't have one. Their principal, uh, who oversaw the school, said, we need to do more fundraising. We know we're going to get into a campaign eventually. We need to get more sophisticated with our efforts now. I don't have a lot of extra time to devote to this. Yeah. I need you to help me take baby steps yeah. in the right direction. And I said, okay, that was what that client needed. And so we said the the baby step was going to be just to create the annual fund. They didn't have one. So we were going to take kind of all of these fundraising efforts that they'd been doing all year that were all mismatched. And, you know, the PTA was running one set over here and then the alumni was doing this. And I said, let's just bring everything into kind of a cohesive calendar so we don't overwhelm families with messaging. Mm -hmm. Let's put it all under the umbrella of this new annual fund. We picked a really fun name for it. We branded it. We rolled it out to families and grandparents. It was really successful. And so what that did for them, to your point, is it let them take one step into the world of mm-hmm. kind of a more professional development program. Mm-hmm. It allowed us to gain some new grandparent and community member givers mm-hmm. And it has given them a chance to kind of experiment with this before they get into a campaign. Yeah. You don't always have time to do that. Right. But when you can, it's a really good first step towards readiness. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that very much. 
like we said earlier, it gives a sort of a context for generosity. It allows people to begin to normalize. I, I like to use the word normalize money. Let's normalize talking about the need to give. Yeah. Yeah. That tuition doesn't cover it all. Correct. Yeah. So let's drill down on this concept of, of a comprehensive campaign, mm-hmm. which here at the summit, we've been talking a lot about that yeah. concept and, and the pros and cons of, of that concept. So talk to us about, um, and for folks who are listening, a comprehensive campaign. Well, why don't you just tell us what it is and then dive into that? Yeah. We love comprehensive campaigns, don't we? <laughs> we do. Um, and the reason that we love them is because it's helpful for a school. If you've got a school that is trying to raise money for a capital campaign, then maybe you add the extra complexity. I'm actually doing one of these right now where we've got the church and the school. We're doing capital projects. We're raising money for an endowment, but we want to make sure that annual fund stays healthy. So a comprehensive campaign says we're going to take all of our fundraising activities and just integrate them. So if our goal for capital projects is $10 million and we typically raise $1 million each year for uh, our annual fund, we're going to say uh, $10 million for capital. And then for the next three years, we want to raise a $1 million each. And actually, we would try to raise that number, but you get the idea. The total goal would be $13 million that we're trying to raise. And oh, by the way, we'd also like to try to get some gifts towards our endowment or some estate gifts. So let's make it a goal to also include $2 million worth of land gifts. Mm -hmm. So now the school is actually trying to raise $15 million over a three-year period. And so everything that we do related to fundraising, it's all going towards a common goal. Mm-hmm. And so we're not getting people who are saying, well, I'm going to take the giving I was doing to the annual fund and move it to the campaign. No, it's all part of the big picture. Mm-hmm. And we're asking families, we know you give faithfully to the annual fund. Would you consider a gift to this campaign that's beyond what you normally give? Mm-hmm. Right. So we're educating our people that all of these elements are important. We don't want to kill the annual fund while we're doing a capital campaign. At the end of the campaign, we want the annual fund to have elevated performance, and we want to have hit those goals related to potentially endowment and certainly capital. Yeah, I agree. In the context of a church school combo, talk to me a little bit about what you've experienced on on a comprehensive campaign Mm -hmm. concept. Yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. I will say on on church and school campaigns, when you're doing that together, you're already talking about some pretty complex messaging. So you have to decide, right? And I think every school and church are different. So um, one of the campaigns I did recently, we decided that the messaging was complex enough. We're just going to do focus on capital, but we're still going to put a little bit of energy over here towards our annual fund. We're not going to forget about it. Mm -hmm. But you know what? If you're doing it church and school together, I think it's a matter of just being organized Mm -hmm. and communicating clearly. And so if you want to have a comprehensive campaign that includes endowment, and includes annual giving, you know, then again, you've got a church that mm-hmm. also is trying to meet their annual, annual giving yeah. goals. So yeah. you're talking about levels of complexity. And I think every situation is unique and you have right. to decide what's going to work best for this church and this school to accomplish their media goals. And I think to, to your point about the complexity, there's a difference between what the one-on-one donor conversations. Correct. And the overarching sort of the, the mass communication pieces. Yep. So you might not necessarily be the capital project might be front and center. Correct. But with the annual fund still happening, but yes. you, you still have 
I'm just saying this for the benefit of the listeners, you still have those dual asks that are happening Absolutely. or maybe even triple asks Yeah, where you're sitting down with a donor one-to-one and asking them to make a gift beyond yep. their annual fund, but not to stop giving their <clears throat> annual fund gift in the context of a campaign. Correct. Yeah. And it requires a lot of trust and collaboration within teams. So one of my clients right now, it's so fun because the director of their annual fund at this school and the campaign director are just, they're in sync. So they know that they're not in competition with each other. But if the annual fund director is meeting with a family, she is asking for a gift to the annual fund and also a gift of, you know, a larger gift towards the campaign and vice versa when the director of development is doing that. But they're working well together. There's trust and collaboration. They're both working towards this common goal that we're trying to raise $10.5 million. And we're all in it together. Again, if you have mistrust or if people have that scarcity mindset, then things go south. And also, it's really not helpful for raising money because donors get confused. Totally. Tell us a little bit about, in your perspective, all the schools and church combos that you've worked with. What are some of the opportunities that only can be found Mm -hmm. in these communities? Mm -hmm. And what are some of the challenges? And maybe give our listeners a few ideas about ways that they might meet those challenges. Okay. Well, challenges are some of these things we alluded to earlier. If you don't have a unified vision, I always start with vision. If you don't have a common vision for what you're trying to accomplish with this combined church school campaign, it's not going to work. So challenge is getting everybody on the same team, getting everybody to agree what we're doing, why we're doing it, um, how much it's going to cost, how it's going to be used. So I would say one of the the ways to combat that challenge is to really have good, healthy relationships between the leadership, school and church. I think it can be helpful to bring a campaign consultant in because they can, can help get groups who might have disparate ideas about this uh, campaign on the same page. So I think a challenge is when people are where there's scarcity, I think a real benefit and blessing of these campaigns is that you really can raise more money when you are harnessing the power, the enthusiasm and the power and the networking, the financial ability, all of it of two different groups. You're harnessing both. And you're saying on the other side of this campaign, we are all going to be the better for it. We're going to have stronger generosity in our church. We're going to have stronger giving in our school. We're going to have this beautiful new building that we built together. Our students are going to benefit from that. Our community is going to use the building. Our church is going to use it. And we're all giving towards a kingdom project and God's going to be glorified in this project. So I think the unity that can come and sometimes campaigns are a really good way if there is a little bit of wobbliness or scarcity mindset between church and school, a well done campaign can help move from us and them to we. We are all in this together. This school is a ministry of our church. We care about kids. So many benefits. The school is a benefit to the church. Children can be a blessing and families to the church. So I think looking for ways to elevate both can be a really positive experience. So good. Why don't we end with this, Jennifer? What would be maybe a few tips that you might share where, you know, My listeners generally are directors of development or folks who are responsible for fundraising in Christian schools. 
They are generally facing small teams, limited resources, all of those things that can be a challenge for fundraising. If you were to share your best advice for that person who's working in a church school combo right now, and they are facing raising some money right now, and they are looking for some encouragement and maybe one thing, there was your best advice to that person. What would you share with with our listeners? Well, I'm going to say two things. (laughs) (laughs) One is I am a believer in baby steps, whatever that means. In other words, doing something is always better than doing nothing. So even if you don't have a development director or you are a development director, but you're stretched really, really thin, deciding to take a step forward and do one thing differently or better, or take one step towards readiness for a capital campaign, or have one meeting with the church stewardship person to try to determine how church and school might partner. Do one thing is better than nothing. I love that. I love that. Um, And the other thing I would say, I'm a squeaky wheel on this, but vision is so important. So don't try to do anything without vision. Just needing money is not actually a good reason to have a campaign. It's not compelling. Needing money isn't a good reason to have an annual fund. We know you need money and we've been, I've been in your shoes, Kim's been in your shoes, but you have to have a vision that's bigger than that. And so if you don't know what the big vision is that you're trying to raise money for, whether it's we want to impact the next generation of kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ, or we want to make education accessible and affordable for anyone desiring a Christian school environment in our city, whatever your mission and your vision are, figure out what that is first and make sure you're all in alignment there. And then you can start working on fundraising. Always start with vision. I love that. Thank you, Jennifer, for your time today. Thank you, Kim. So (laughs) fun to be here. I love it. Thank you. One of the things that I found most helpful about what Jennifer said in our conversation was that the recipe for great success for both entities, the church and the school, is collaboration and trust between the leaders of the church side and the leaders of the school side. So getting alignment and partnership is absolutely key to having success in our campaign if we are a church-school combo. We can try to raise money and we might be successful in raising some money, but to really get traction in creating that culture of generosity and get those much bigger results, then let's focus on getting some alignment between the leaders if there's misalignment there, collaborative spirit, and really work hard on growing that trusting partnership between the two leaders. And then we'll be able to get some real traction. The other tip that Jennifer mentioned that I'd like to highlight is the concept of baby steps. While, of course, we all want to have our entire strategy in place and all the sophisticated layers of engagement all in place, I mean, this is completely me. I want to have all of the pieces there. We want to be able to take action on this beautiful strategy. But we need to remember that sometimes it is enough and sometimes it's, in fact, the right move to just take the baby step. I always try to remember that we're looking for progress and not perfection. And therefore, one thing is better than none. So I encourage you to think about it and let me know what's the baby step that you can take this quarter to move one step closer to the kind of culture of generosity and the results that you're after. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you like what you're hearing so far, 
Please rate and review and please share this episode and any others with folks who might find them helpful. I'm so grateful for your help in spreading the word about this podcast. It's my mission to grow cultures of generosity across the country and to grow giving in Christian schools for the kingdom and to do so in healthy cultures. Help me do that, please, by sharing this podcast with someone who can use it. Thanks so much. Have an awesome day today. See you next time. 